Good evening. This is the September 12, 2023 regular meeting of the Rent Board Commission. I am Executive Director and Outgoing Board Secretary Christina Varner, and Rent Board staff member Max Garcia and I will be managing the WebEx remote functions together with the Rent staff member Craig Van Spronson. Some members of the public may be attending the meeting in person, and other members of the public may be viewing the meeting live online at the link listed on the agenda and remote meeting public access information. We ask members of the public for their patience during tonight's hybrid meeting. Public comment may be provided by telephone only if you are attending remotely by dialing 415-655-0001 and entering access code 2662-575-0684. The commission will take public comment from members of the public present at the in-person meeting first, and then we'll take comment from members of the public appearing remotely. As in previous meetings, I want to thank the many people who have worked to make the meeting possible, including the Rent Board Commissioners, Corwin Cooley at the Department of Technology, Rent Board staff, particularly Barbara Texador, Craig Van Spronson, Amir Omidvari, Kathy Helton, Eileen O'Neill, Diana Flores, Max Garcia, Amanda Esquivel, Lenny Gragason, Senior ALJ, Joey Kumis, and Board Secretaries from across the city who continue to provide much needed advice on remote meetings. Thank you. Members of the public, the Rent Board Commission meeting where the commissioners may be considering your case on appeal is not an interactive hearing. This will be your opportunity to address the commission. For members of the public appearing both in person and remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required to state your name for the record. If you're giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you're speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, Staff will so indicate, and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. Again, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov slash rent board in the commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2662-575 0684, press pound and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. When it is your turn to speak, staff will unmute you and you will hear your line has been unmuted. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again and you will hear you have lowered your hand. 
When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Please visit the rent board's website for ongoing updates regarding hybrid rent board commission meetings. Are you called order? Thank you, President Gruber. Meetings uh, called to order, and uh, we will have the uh, reading of the Ramatusha Loney land acknowledgement. Mr. Sarney. That's why I bring up the reading. My apologies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> we acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatusaloni, <clears throat> who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their tradition, the Ramatusaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territories. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on the traditional homelands. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Amatushaloni community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. Thank you very much. Uh, Roll call, please. Thank you, President Gruber. President Gruber? Here. President Gruber present. Commissioner Tom? Here. Commissioner Tom present. Commissioner Wasserman? Here. Commissioner Wasserman present. Commissioner Klein? Commissioner Klein not present. Commissioner Mossbrucker? Here. Commissioner Mossbrooker present. Commissioner Crow. Here. Commissioner Crow present. Commissioner Chan. Commissioner Chan not present. Commissioner Sawney. Present. Commissioner Sawney present. Commissioner Hung. Commissioner Hung not present. And Commissioner Haley. Here. Commissioner Haley present.
Uh, I would like to acknowledge that the following staff members are also present. Senior Administrative Law Judge Joey Kumis, Deputy Director and Board Secretary Barbara Texador, and myself, Executive Director and Outgoing Board Secretary Christina Varner. Uh, Craig Van Fronson is handling the in-house IT and Rent Board Specialist Max Garcia is joining us remotely and is also assisting uh, with interpretation this evening. Thank you. I wish to announce the remarks from the public. Thank you, President Gruber. So it is now time for the first of two public comment periods this evening. The second public comment period will occur after the consideration of appeals. Uh, members of the public, the Rent Board Commission meeting where the commissioners are considering your case on appeal is not an interactive hearing. This is your opportunity to address the commission. Um, and then there will be an, another opportunity again after the consideration of appeals. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability, from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required to state your name for the record. If you're giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. As stated earlier, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. We will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Please step forward one at a time. And I think there are um, uh, parties from the first agenda item uh, from Cap Street here uh, needing assistance with the interpreter. Este es un micrófono, así que por favor no lo toque. Okay. Vamos a Caps. Ya te ¿no? Le van a dar las instrucciones para comenzar. Ok. Sí, yo conozco a, a Edwin. I, know, I have known Edwin. Y a su mamá. And his mother. Desde hace muchos años. For many years. Y ellos han vivido ahí en la... Cat Edwin siempre vivió en la casa con su mamá. Edwin has always lived in the home with his mother. 
en el mes de, de agosto se pasaron ellos ahí en la, en la casa de la 603. En agosto se mudaron a la casa de 603. Interpreter, can you please inquire if uh, the party wants to say anything further? No matter for minutes. No. Tiene cuatro minutos más si quiere dar más información. Yo creo que eso es todo. I think that's it. Thank you. There are other members of the public who wish to provide public comment. Now is the time. Specifically, what do they want to know? This is open public comment. So whatever you would like to state to the commissioners. Es un comentario público abierto y puede dar ustedes cualquier información que quiera que sepan los comisionarios. Lo que yo quiero saber es qué es lo que quieren saber ellos. That's what I want to know. Exactly what do they want to hear? This is the time for you to say whatever you want to about the matter. So. Oportunidad para que pueda decir lo que usted quiera acerca de esta, este asunto. Lo que yo puedo decir referente a este asunto. What I can say regarding this matter. Es que yo conozco a Edwin. I have known Edwin. Siempre que ha vivido ahí en la CAP. And he's always lived there on CAP. Junto con su madre. With his mother. Lo conozco desde hace más de 25 años. I've known him for more than 25 years. And he's been living there. Él ha vivido ahí. And he's been living there. Si esto sirve para el caso que él está teniendo. If this helps his case. Y si tiene más preguntas acerca de esto. And if you have questions about this. Pueden contactarme. You can contact me. Gracias. Thank you. No, este es un micrófono, así que por favor no lo toque. Sí, buenas noches. Mi nombre es Marta Laides. Good evening. My name is Marta Laides. Uh, estoy aquí porque uh, vengo como testigo. I'm here as a witness. De conocer a Edwin López. That I've known Edwin López. 
con su mamá Gladys Martínez. With his mother, Gladys a descanse, pues ella tiene un año que se murió. He's passed away a year ago. Bueno, estoy aquí porque a ellos los conozco desde el año del 97. Well, I'm here because I've known them since the year 97. A él lo conocí en el grupo de iglesia. I met him through a church group. Luego conocí a su mamá porque él me la presentó. I then met his mother because he presented her to me. Y desde ahí los vengo conociendo donde ellos, los lugares que ellos han vivido. And since then I've known them in the different places they've lived. Hasta el lugar donde él está viviendo ahora. Up until where they live now. Mm -hmm. Entonces, so, cualquier pregunta uh, con respecto a su caso de él, Any pueden contactarme a mí. With regard to his case, I can be contacted. Mm -hmm. Estoy disponible para contestar lo que ustedes deseen. I'm available to answer any question you have. Estoy aquí para ayudarlo, pues, como él es un ciudadano de aquí. I'm here está, to support him. Está, He's a U.S. citizen. Está viendo por sus derechos de vivienda. That is fighting for his housing rights. Por supuesto, ¿no? Es hasta donde el trabajo le da a él para poder pagarlo. Which you can see. And it's very difficult for him to pay for. Por eso es que estoy aquí. That's why I'm here. So, muchas gracias a todos. Y cualquier cosa me pueden contactar. Thank you very much. And if anything is needed, please contact me. Is any other member of the public in the room wishing to provide comment? Uh, now would be the first the time during this first public comment period. So if you'd like to provide comment, please step up to the podium and you will have three minutes. So we're just waiting for uh, Mr. Garcia to return to where he can run the remote public comment for us. Once he returns, then we'll start with the remote public comment. Your patience. Now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. 
The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov slash rentboard in the Commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda, and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2662-575-0684, press pound and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. When it is your turn to speak, staff will unmute you and you will hear your line has been unmuted. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Renford staff member Max Garcia, who is just assisting us with interpretation, will be operating the phone system tonight. I will be keeping time. When your time is up, you may hear a timer ringing. Time will be called and you as the caller will be muted. Mr. Garcia, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide public comment? There are three members of the public wishing to give public comment. Thank you. Can you please allow the first caller? Caller, you have three minutes. Hello, my name is Braxton Hockey. I'm an attorney at Legal Assistance to the Elderly. My office represents Frederick Ted Ferris, whose appeal will be considered later tonight. Mr. Ferris's appeal is item 6B concerning 563 17th Avenue. I speak now in support for Mr. Ferris's appeal. Judge Berg's decision, if it stands, will allow Mr. Ferris's rent to be raised without limitation. Mr. Ferris's landlords plan to raise Mr. Ferris's rent from $1,136 to $4,000 a month. Because Mr. Ferris cannot afford such a drastic rent increase, if this decision stands, Mr. Ferris is effectively evicted from his home. Mr. Ferris, a senior citizen, will lose his home of over 30 years if this decision stands. Judge Berg's decision does not have to stand, however, and I respectfully but strongly urge that the judge's decision be vacated and the petitioner not be entitled to increase Mr. Ferris's rent to market rate. Judge Berg's decision should be vacated because it was made in error and constitutes an abuse of discretion. Judge Berg's analysis was made in error for a very simple reason. He did not follow the guidance required by the rent board's own rules to make his determination. The rules provide specific guidance on how to determine whether a subject unit is a tenant's principal place of residence, which was the main issue in this petition. The rules instruct the rent board to evaluate the totality of the circumstances, including but not limited to six specific factors Judge Burke's decision did not follow these explicit and specific guidelines. Rather than looking at the totality of the circumstances, his analysis focuses almost exclusively on the raw number of days that Mr. Ferris was allegedly physically present at the subject unit. 
This hyper-focus on physical presence in the unit came at the expense of other factors whose analysis was required by the rules and whose analysis would have been especially revealing in this case. Most pertinent is factor five, requiring the consideration of temporary absences caused by family emergency. In this case, any alleged absence in the unit was caused by family emergency as Mr. Ferris is not one but two very sick and elderly in-law relatives that he looks after, both of whom were in great need over the pertinent period. Because Judge Berg failed to consider the totality of the circumstances here and indeed failed to analyze the question of residency using the rules set by the rent board itself, his decision was made in error and I strongly urge that it be vacated. If not, Mr. Ferris will lose his tenancy and home of over 30 years. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Mr. Garcia, do we have an, another caller in the queue wishing to provide comment? There are two members of the public wishing to give public comment. Can you please allow the next caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Hi, this is Frederick Ferris speaking uh, regarding 563 17th Avenue. I, I just like to stress that it seems to me that the landlords misled the judge about wanting to continue renting this apartment. As soon as the original decision came down, they contacted me telling me that they're selling the building. So they have no intention of keeping these two units on the rental market. And I believe that is one of the goals of the San Francisco Rental Board is to keep available units available to the public. So basically they're using this loophole in the law to evict a 33-year tenant and a senior citizen from this building so that they can sell it. Um, I'm still, still caring for elderly in-laws even now. Um, and that's really all I have to say at this point. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Mr. Garcia, can you please allow the next caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. My name is Jessica and I'm a provisionally licensed lawyer at LAE and we represent Mr. Lopez who uh, appeal will be considered tonight on item 6A. Mr. Lopez has openly resided at 963 Cap Street since August 1st, 2002 when he moved in with his mother. The judge erred and abused her discretion when she ignored inconsistent and not credible statement by the landlord, specifically with who executed the lease. It's not executed by anyone. There is no signature. And this, among other things noted in the brief, shows inconsistencies on the landlord's side and the ALJ did not consider this. The ALJ also relied on irrelevant landlord documents to find that Mr. Lopez was not an original occupant. The landlord knew <clears throat> Mr. Lopez and his mother as previous tenants in other buildings they owned and knew that they lived together just like they always have. It was clear that there were several staff changes throughout the tenancy and none of the former staff testified or gave written testimony. All documents from the landlord were in English only, yet the landlord knew that the mother did not speak nor read in English. 
Furthermore, the ALJ put preference on landlord documents regarding irrelevant 911 calls and police reports to other addresses in the building and to allegations from neighbors that has no merit and no one testified or gave credible written testimony. The ALJ has failed to weigh the findings of landlord's own expert in assessing the landlord's credibility. The expert shows Mr. Lopez has resided at the premises since at least 2004, and the expert couldn't ID any other possible addresses for Mr. Lopez other than his current home. This undermines the landlord's testimony because it shows the opposite of what they claim. Mr. Lopez has always lived in this unit. There was also a complete disregard to neutral third-party testimony presented by the tenant. Two neighbors and a social worker gave credible written testimony. One neighbor has known Mr. Lopez for a long time and knew that Mr. Lopez and his mother were moving in together into the current union unit back in July 2002, a month before they moved in. The other neighbor has always known Mr. Lopez to live there with his mother. The social worker declared that many adult children provide all necessary care for aging parents, especially in low-income communities where adult children may not have the financial resources to put towards 24-hour care. This is also very common among the Latino community where we are taught to care for our parents as they age. The ALJ also unreasonably discounted uh, Mr. Lopez's credibility due to his failure to remember immaterial facts from approximately 20 years ago and disregarded that all of the evidence that uh, Mr. Lopez showed has lived in the unit from the beginning, including a U United States Post Office change of address from the same month he moved in, August 2002. Mr. Lopez is a valued member of the community and it would be a shame to lose someone like him due to an unlawful rent increase from $2,773.81 to $4,500. He has lived in his home for over two decades and, it is, and he is an original occupant. Thank you for your time. Thank you, caller. Mr. Garcia, are there any uh, more members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment at this time. Okay, uh, so members of the public appearing remotely, this is the first of two public comment periods this evening. The second will be after the consideration of appeals. And please do note that if you wish to provide comment remotely, you must dial in on the phone by dialing 415-655-0001, and then you will enter the access code uh, 2662-575-0684, uh, and you would press pound and press pound again, and then you would dial star and three um, to indicate uh, to us that you're wishing to provide comment. So, um, Mr. Garcia, can you confirm that there are no more members of the public in the queue uh, wishing to provide comment? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment at this time. Thank you so much. So, um, right now, we will go ahead and close the first of two public comment periods. Um, and then again, there will be a, a second opportunity to provide comment to the commissioners after the consideration of appeals. Thank you. Um, we'll move on to item five, approval of the minutes. And that's to approve the minutes of August 15th. I'll make that motion. I'll second that. We have a first and a second. Any comments, additions, fractions? I'll call for the vote. 
A motion to approve the minutes of August 15th, 2023. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. Commissioner Mossbrooker. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Tom. Aye. Commissioner Crow. Aye. Commissioner Sawney. Stain. And Commissioner Haley. Minutes have been approved. Item six on the agenda consideration of appeals. We'll now move into our uh, deliberation on the uh, uh, the appeals before us. We'll start with item A, nine sixty three Cap Street. The tenant appears appeals the decision denying their claim of unlawful rent increase. The administrative law judge determined that the rent increase from two thousand seven hundred and seventy three dollars and 81 cents to 4,500 effective January 1st, 2023 was authorized under civil code section 1954.53 B2 of the Costa Hocken Rental Act. Since the evidence established that the tenant petitioner was a lawful subtenant and not an original occupant. On appeal, the tenant claims that the decision should be reversed because the administrative law judge abused her discretion by not properly evaluating the evidence and testimony. Landlord submitted a response to the appeal, claiming that based on the evidence, the ALJ made a reasonable conclusive decision that the tenant was never an original occupant. I uh, filed a notice of recusal with the Ethics Commission based on the fact that, although I had nothing to do with this matter, I represent uh, or I have represented uh, golden properties and unrelated matters. So with that, I'll step out. I also filed a notice of recusal on this appeal. Um, even though I have not worked on this matter, I am now an employee of the agency who represents the tenant in this case and in case number 6B563 um, 17th Avenue. Um, and on that basis, I'm going to recuse myself from both of the cases, even though I've not worked on either of them. Thank you. We're ready to start uh, our deliberations. Uh, do we have any? I move to deny. I'll second. I have some comments to make about that. Uh, the the brief for the tenant was well written and should be considered carefully. Uh, the issues here are that first the first issue here is is that the uh, purported lease agreement was an it was an english language lease agreement that was uh, submitted to a monolingual spanish speaker who may or may not have understood uh, what a subtenant was or how to or, or or that she should have named her son on the lease because he did in fact move in with her. I'll get to that. 
the landlord made a big issue of the lease, and yet there were huge inconsistencies coming from the landlord with regard to the lease. In fact, three separate people in the hearing claim to have signed the lease for the landlord, the landlord himself, and two agents claim to have signed it, when in fact that the lease that was, that the, was purported to be part of this case was unsigned by any landlord and only signed by the tenant. The uh, the tenant's son could not uh, didn't didn't couldn't find a copy that they had, but this is this brings brings to question the uh, the testimony from the landlord's side that was not adequately uh, considered by the ALJ. Uh, further, the uh, the the uh, tenant showed that he moved in with his mother. His mother, he had lived with his mother and rented from the landlord at 560, pardon me, at 165 Albion Street. It was the same landlord. Same landlord then rented this apartment on Cap Street to the tenant and his mother. The landlord also required that 614 notices be served on subsequent occupants on subtenants, and no 614 notice was ever served on the tenant because he already lived there, as he stated in, in uh, the hearing. He also proved in the hearing with a couple of documents that I think are dispositive, even though uh, even though the ALJ chose to disregard them. And one was a post-hearing uh, uh, exhibit number 34, which showed a Department of Motor Vehicle change of address card for the tenant's driver's license, uh, reflecting 165 Albion Street, the former address, dated on uh, February 17th, 1994. The tenant also submitted a, a evidence of a U.S. Postal Service change of address confirmation from 21 Lexington Street to 963 Cap Street, and the date it was affected was the date that he moved in on August 10, 2002. There's also there, there's also the issue that the uh, that the, that was that's brought up in the brief that basically the landlord disregarded uh, testimonial evidence in the form of declarations that uh, from Ms. Nava who testified that she's lived across the street from 959, 969 Cap Street since 1985. She knew uh, Edwin and his mother, uh, the tenant and his mother, and she found out that he would be moving across the street from her in July. And she saw him coming and going from the apartment since August 1. 
the ALJ did not seem to have considered that declaration at all. Further, there was another declaration from a person, uh, from a man who lived in the building. His name was Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Sullivan uh, submitted a declaration that said that, uh, in fact, even uh, he had a, a, a typewritten declaration and then he wrote in his own handwriting, who knows what specific dates. All I can say is that to the best of my knowledge, Gladys and Eddie moved in at the same time. Eddie has always lived here since. The ALJ evidently didn't give weight at all to that declaration, despite the, despite the fact that, that it was there to, to be looked at. The ALJ only looked at documents, the only the other documents that were submitted, which were uh, uh, from 2004 onward. However, the tenant's testimony that he lived, that he moved in with his with his mother wasn't really considered and neither were the supporting was the supporting evidence. Uh, Uh, the alleged inconsistencies of, of uh, the tenant's testimony were given weight, while the declarations of the landlord's agents and the landlord are were pardon me were were uh, the the in pardon me the inconsistencies in tenant's testimony were given weight, while the declarations of the landlord and his agents were were uh, given weight and. They were completely inconsistent throughout throughout the hearing. Um, essentially, the brief is a is important to take a look at, and I would would urge anyone who hasn't thoroughly considered it to do so now. Finally, uh, there in questions asked directly at the hearing. The landlord, Paul Interno, reported as, responded as follows. Question, so other than declarations that we have here, do you have any direct evidence that Mr. Lopez has not continuously resided at 963 Cap Street from August 1 to the present? Answer, no. Again, James Nero, the, uh, the manager, question. What evidence do you have that Mr. Lopez has been continuously residing at 963 cap seats since the inception of the tenancy? None. I think that it's it's fair to, to say that the ALJ abused her discretion when uh, when looking at the factual evidence here and the case should be remanded and the tenant's petition for wrongful rent increase should be granted. Thank you. Have something to say? I was surprised by how quickly uh, this appeal was denied by the side, by the uh, landlord side. I, I think the evidence in front of us states that we have to gauge what is the quality of the evidence under that establishes tenancy, and then if there's any fault to it. Uh, the tenant has provided a copious amount of evidence. I think it's reasonable and fair. That establishes tenancy at the time of uh, when when he at the time or when he joined in with his, his mother. Um, 
I, I think just starting off with just the existing lease that's that that was provided as evidence, uh, and uh, all the factual information that didn't align with it being the lack of signatures on it, not having a counter signature by the tenant by the tenant or his mother on it, um, proves that that evidence shouldn't held that much weight in this argument uh, in this case. I therefore would then place more weight on evidence that is coming from other parties that corroborated dates that are more factual, like the changing of the address at the post office, things that cannot be fabricated, not the same that I'm seeing, it can be fabricated, but certainly has more weight when it's being established by a third party. Uh, the, uh, the, and then also uh, the conclusion by ALJ that the tenant did not have uh, Knowledge of the people who resided in the apartment, I think, is not really a very strong argument. When, if you were to treat having a subtenancy, imagine subtenancy as a business, I don't really know all the things. So my mother does her, her job either. Uh, just because someone lives in the house doesn't mean that they have to have complete knowledge of all the workings of it. Uh, if you're a resident of it, I don't think that's a very strong argument as well. Uh, I think there's been just there's a, an abundant amount of evidence uh, that the tenant has provided that establishes their tenancy. And that they should be and that that tendency should be honored. Traditionally, the most weighted uh, evidence is going to be written documentation, and the lease is the strongest one of those. Even something that's written like a a change of address or a DMV. One of my friend's kids goes to college, but she uses her parents' address for her driver's license. That's not as strong as a lease saying that you're an occupant there. And then, least of all, declarations, all, and they're very going back and forth from both landlord and tenant sides, are only hearsay because that's someone's opinion about what they thought, but it's not written, it's not what you base an uh, agreement on. So if we just go with the sensible traditional methods of showing who was there, there's no question that he was not an original occupant because he's not on the lease. And if he would have helped write it, he would have put his own name on it. Well, you're aware that California law prohibits uh, presenting a, 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 a lease entirely in English to a monolingual, in this case, Spanish speaker without a translation, and that was never done. That in and of itself is against the law. That was so you move forward. What? That wasn't presented in the brief. It's, it's the law, uh, and the fact is, is that it was presented in the briefs because they spoke about it, about her being presented with an entirely English tra translation. The fact is, is that if you look at the document, the document was not submitted in translation to the tenant. The document was not signed by the landlord, even though three of the land, the landlord and two agents claimed to have signed it. And what's the significance of that? What's that? What's that? The significance of that in terms of the validity of the lease or 
the admissibility the admissibility of release is key here because well the actually the actually the facts around the interpretation of release are, are admissible in the sense that they can they can explain why uh, the original tenant did not seek to add her son because she may may have we don't know she may have felt that he was there with her already and he was part of it we don't know what she thought unfortunately I mean, my understanding of the theory is that the tenant didn't answer. Didn't enter. I'm not hearing you very well. I'm sorry. The theory of the plaintiff is that, I mean, of the tenant is that the mother entered a lease and didn't know that she needed her son on it, and that the son just came with her. And my question is, and the son just starting to live there with her, even though he's not on the lease, make him an original tenant? Yes, the fact is, is that he was original occupant because he moved in at the same time, whether he was on the lease or not, absolutely. That's the issue here. I'll just intervene, so case law is pretty clear that original occupant is defined as someone who moves in pursuant to the lease agreement with the landlord's consent. So they don't necessarily need to be on the lease agreement in order to be an original occupant, but they must be a lawful occupant at the time the tenancy commences. So that's why this, this, this case is, is hard because there is pretty significant evidence that the tenant did reside in the unit consistently from the beginning. The question is whether or not the tenant's occupancy was, was lawful at the commencement of the tenancy? Was it with the landlord's consent? And that's where the lease has become important. Now, I think that's that's the issue, right? Is just whether or not there's sufficient evidence to show that the tenant's occupancy was was known, whether the landlord consented to the occupancy, was it was his occupancy lawful at the beginning? I don't believe the occupancy was determined. And uh, what we have before us is evidence uh, from neighbors and whatever saying how they knew him. Uh, knowing that he knew him uh, does not establish occupancy. And uh, the, uh, the issue here also is that uh, with the evidence that was presented, uh, the hearing officer who heard uh, and saw uh, the people before her found that uh, there was a credibility issue. And I find it also uh, interesting that uh, uh, the tenant didn't even bother to show up today. Uh, again, uh, these neighbors came uh, to say that they knew him. Fine, he's part of the community. We're not disputing that. But he he uh, uh, chose not to come before us with all of the issues that are before him uh, to, to talk. You know, good and well that we can't c consider uh, the tenant's testimony here in public yeah. comment. Well, uh, no. In fact, whether he shows up or not, it's not a vicious. Yeah, we don't know the tenants at work right now. Yeah, responsibilities that they can't allow them to, to appear today. But so I, I believe President Gruber, pardon, that this is the tenant here in question. He is. He is here. I, I didn't know that. Said, sure. I don't know that. So yeah. Speak. So I mean, it, it's part of a, our issue to to, to, to hear out. The the, uh, uh, the information is presented to us, and I don't find it credible. 
I don't find it credible that 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 uh, uh, this individual is an original occupant of this unit. He lived at a prior address rented to him and his mother by the same landlord. He moved into a new address, signed a, and a new lease was signed, and who knows what the mother was told about that lease. Why? Because it wasn't translated. That's illegal. It's a logical question. He lived with his mother before he was there in the unit, you know, in in August of 2002, by virtue of a address change. The fact is, is that, and then there are other testimony from third party witnesses that was not considered. I think it's considered what? That they knew him? No, they they testified as I've read to you parts of them. You can go back and read their declarations. Oh, I read they them. testified that that the tenant moved in with his mother into Cap Street. Two two witnesses said that in declaration. I didn't find it credible. What do they have to gain? Commissioner Crow, is it your argument that that the tenant and his mother lived in a building that they rented from the landlord, the same landlord. And then at the same time, they both moved from that residence. The, the, the tenant's son did a change of address to the new address. Yeah. And therefore, the inference is that even though the son's name does not appear on the lease, the landlord did knowingly and, and knew that they were both original Landlord wouldn't answer, evidently answer that question in testimony if they heard and didn't answer it one way or the other. Uh, it seems like the landlord ought to have known that, yeah. It's assuming that they're denying that because the same landlord is the one that's saying that he was not an occupant. The landlord presented various evidence and argued uh, and argued for a rent increase, and yeah, I guess that could be interpreted that way. The other facts that, that also are interesting is, is that the, the mother worked for the landlord for years. What's interesting about that? Well, I think well, that's interesting because there's, it indicates there's some sort of colloquy going back and forth there, or or knowledge thereof from the landlord. Sure. I mean, it's an inference. I'm not saying that that's per, per se. It's an inference. Just because the landlord now has said that the tenant was not an original tenant doesn't mean that when the land, when the tenant did move in with his mother, but that, that did establish the tenancy there. Uh, and while it wasn't stated on the lease itself, through actions, through declarations, through an address change, other corroborating evidence, it does establish that he did move in at that time. But it is that true that it's, it's largely undisputed that, this, that the land that the tenant was in the apartment at the same time as his mother. The question is whether or not he was there legally. Is, 
That's what I understood the issue to be. Correct. So there's not a decision that he moved in with his mother. The question was whether he moved in as an identified tenant. And the argument is that he didn't because the lease doesn't reflect that. And the contrary evidence is that they had a prior relationship. It was open. Etc. So it's, it, it seems like. Is that my, do I have a good idea of the issue? The issue is whether or not. The tenants occupancy of the unit was was lawful. was did the landlord consent to the tenants occupancy at the time the tenancy commenced. So the tenant could have moved in. Not lawfully at the same time as his mother. The tenant had moved in. Unbeknownst to the landlord in violation of a no subletting clause that would not be lawful. Okay. If the tenant moved in with the landlord's knowledge. Even if he wasn't listed on the lease. Then he would be a lawful or okay, that wasn't established. That was the issue in this case, and that's why the ALJ focused so much on credibility, right? Because. Got the evidence we have, and we have their. Competing statements testimony here. Any further discussion? Okay. Off with vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Tom. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Crow. No. Commissioner Sawney. No. And Commissioner Haley. Aye. Hearing officer's decision stands. We move on to item B, 563 17th Avenue. One tenant appealed the decision granting the landlord's petition seeking a rent increase under rules and regulations section 1.21. The administrative law judge determined. Wait, excuse me. I need to bring back what? Bring back what? Not. Which comments is getting? Is it okay to? You need the rest of them. Judge Kumas is grabbing Commissioner Wasserman right now. And, and Commissioner Mossbrucker is reaching. Can stay out. Is she okay with the? We don't have to vote again. Nothing else. No, she yeah. already announced her refusal. Thank you. I told Kathy, I, uh, I said, so happy for her um, new job at LA. I said, now she's going to be the most accused. <laughs> I'll take my spot. Okay, we'll move on to item B, 563 17th Avenue. One tenant appeared, appealed the decision granting the landlord's petition seeking a rent increase. Under rules and regulations, section 1.21, administrative law judge determined that there was no tenant in occupancy of the unit at the time the petition was filed since the tenant respondents primary, primarily resided in Southern California in both 2022 and 2023. In the appeal, the tenant alleges 
that the administrative law judge misapplied the law by improperly how focusing his analysis on whether the tenant was physically present in the unit without consideration considering other factors. The landlord submitted a response to the appeal claiming that the requested relief to vacate the decision goes beyond the actions that can be taken by the board and the tenant's argument is unsupported by the evidence. I would uh, move to deny. Second. Once again, we have a good brief from the opposition, which basically states that the ALJ did not, it only considered whether uh, the tenant was physically present in the unit, but did not look at the fact that it looked at the fact that it could be the tenant's place of return. So the real and, and of course rule 121 came about because it was designed to prevent uh tenants from establishing head-up errors here in san francisco and generally the evidence uh it used in a case like that would show that a tenant rented somewhere else or had a uh, a home somewhere else and we see these cases where the private investigators have, in fact, you know, followed the tenant to their house and where, wherever uh, in Sonoma County and seen them walking in and out of the place and, in fact, uh, principally residing in another place and or uh, proving that, uh, that uh, a tenant rented another place somewhere. In this case, we don't have any of that. We have a tenant who during COVID went down to help to care for his putative mother-in-law, putative father-in-law, and their uh, declarations are uh, rather telling and the, the kind of help he gave them. So the question is really, and the question that never was considered in the uh, ALJ's decision is, was the unit the tenant's principal place of return? He had all of his belongings in the unit. He had reg uh, various registrations attached to the unit. He was paying rent at the unit. He was, he was registered to vote in San Francisco. And that would at least, should be some, some, uh, some persuasive evidence that in fact, the tenant did, did intend to return. And, and while the statute doesn't specifically ask this question, I think it's up, us to, it's up to us to ask, where was he living? Right. So I would direct you to page 19 of the decision, lines 5 through 19. Sorry, let me get there. Page 19? Yes. 
start at about lines five, go around. These, these are the findings that he based. Five. Yes. Bennett Ferris did not return to San Francisco until the end of January 2023, a few days before the first hearing in this case. Why? Well, okay. Right. This is all right. Let's 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 talk about Dave Crow getting ready to retire, and I decide to take a world cruise for who knows a year. I leave all my stuff at my place. Do I get to return to it? In that case, yes, because. Your principal place of residence is not on some. All right. So we have a similar situation here where, where the tenant is caring for his, uh, his in-laws, if you will, down in LA, understands that there's a, a, a notice of some kind being been served, understands that a hearing is, is going to take place. Well, what should he do? uh not come to the hearing what about the vehicle registration when you go on your year long there was a vehicle that was registered at the at the unit and then there was i guess one that was registered down as i recall registered down south lieutenant's honda element was registered at the 1485 scott avenue la address and his honda and his vespa were registered at the 720 eugenia avenue address and does that tell us where he lives? There is a declaration from, uh, you know, a, a declaration from his partner who claimed that he hated LA and hated the traffic in LA. There were declarations, once again, this is a situation where the ALJ refused to consider the totality of the evidence. Could he, but it was admitted that, that he lived with his, um, his partner uh, lived with the, uh, with the, I mean, he had a place of residence then. Is that why he left all of his stuff in the unit? <laughs> I mean, you don't do that. <laughs> sure, well, depends how much stuff you have. Well, I don't know. I didn't see the pictures, but evidently had quite a bit of stuff. Well, that's just it. Well, we weren't there at the hearing. We didn't weigh the credibility. No, I don't. no it's, it's, it's hard for us to second guess findings back when, like you said, we weren't there. The fact is, is that there's no answer to the question of what's his, what's his place. There's no answer in the ALJ's uh, finding, uh, or that it's not discussed. It's, uh, the only thing that's discussed is, is that the tenant was absent from the unit for a certain period of time. That's, that's an abuse of discretion. I think it's a little more than that. I think it, 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 one can infer that he was not coming up here, but for the petition being filed. I don't know why that would mean anything. I don't, yeah. uh, if you're having a loss of your housing that that you have in one city because you're taking care of medical needs of someone else in another city, yeah, I would, I would, I would return to my city. I have my home in to make sure that's taken care of. I think that action is completely not being looked on as as not establishing the residency. Well, I go to the credibility. And the credibility that was established by the hearing officer gave us a decision that the 121 case of law. Very simple. I would go to a realistic question. Let, let me, let me, is it our, our job as 
That's commissioner. It's just a question of the credibility is appropriate or not. If the ALJ that is correct with it, it's like it is. And here I'm not. This is a hearing officer as well established and knows his 121. And he saw uh, the decision that uh, uh, that it applied. That doesn't mean he can't make a mistake. Doesn't mean, yeah, doesn't mean I was well, a <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Let, sure. let me direct you to uh, page 18 of the decision. Yeah, lines nine. Or, yeah, lines nine through 12. Spacing's a little off, but you get the gist of it. Paragraph seven. What do you make of that? I, what lines again? Nine through 12. What are we to make of that? Yeah. Okay, that's about, this is about uh, his, uh, his partner. She moved down to LA. It's, right, it's, so she's, not, she's not a, she's not claiming her that this is her principal place of residence. Why is that relevant? You don't think that's a factor? I think that that shows that she moved out uh, in 2012. Right. Well before COVID. Well, COVID or no, she moved out, she moved out. She's not. She's not making a claim here. It's the tenant. It's the tenant who's making the claim, and, and no one is denying that that Miss Bergordi lived in LA. Yeah, but we're not we're not disputing her tenancy. We're disputing the gentleman's tenancy. I don't know how that will play out. If my girlfriend lives in Phoenix, does that mean I live in Phoenix? No, we're talking about the situation. Man, we're talking about the general situation, exactly. Not when not all the factors that contribute to coming to the decision. What you're trying to say is, is the ALJ abused discretion, right? Yes, I am trying okay. to say that because he didn't consider the full the, the full statute, which talks about place of return. He didn't consider that. I think it's evident from the decision. So abuse of discretion means there's no facts that would. You know, reasonable reading and interpretation of the facts presented or the evidence presented could not bring one to that conclusion. Consider the evidence correctly. That's right. That's a different standard. I don't think he considered the evidence. Abuse of discretion is he had the discretion to look at it one way or the other. Right. And he didn't look at it one, in one way because he refused to. I mean, I think the first part of what you said is correct. He had discretion to look at it one way or another. I'm going to, again, Where's this guy going to go? Oh, you can't be serious. <laughs> he he is very happy the commuting between residences in LA. Right. This is he, not someone who's going to live in. It's not what the declaration said. Oh. Any further discussion? Call for the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Crow? No. Commissioner Sawney? No. And Commissioner Haley? Aye. Hearing officer's decision stand. We move to item C, 1475 Oakdale Avenue, upper unit. So sorry, President Gruber. Oh, I'm sorry. Commissioner Moss Parker, I didn't mean to leave you out in the hall there. Quite an I was enjoying it. So. <laughs> we move on to our appeal item 
Item C, 1475 Oakdale Avenue, upper unit. The landlord appeals the decision granting in part the tenant's claim of decreased housing service. In the decision, the administrative law judge found the landlord liable for rent reductions in the amount of $550 for pest infestation from September 15, 2022 until February 25, 2023, but determined that no reduction in base rent was warranted for the tenant's other claims. In the appeal, the landlord claimed that she should not be liable to the tenant for $550 because she paid for a pest control company to abate the pest infestation and because the tenant does not pay water or electricity, is using the garage and hallway closet without her permission, and does not allow the landlord to rent the other rooms to other tenants. We'd move to deny. I second. Discussion. Call for the uh, for the uh, motion. Motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher. Aye. Commissioner Sawney. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. And Commissioner Haley. Commissioner uh, the. Uh, Decision um, is upheld by uh, the uh, hearing officer. Item D, 1475 Oakdale Avenue, upper unit. Start out that the landlord appeal was four days late. The landlord states that they submitted the appeal late because they returned from traveling abroad on August 5th, 2023, and had not seen the mail decision prior to that date. We have a motion yes. for good cause. I'll move uh, for good cause. Accept the appeal. I'll second. All for the vote. Motion to find good cause for late filing of the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. Commissioner Sawney. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Mossbrecher. Aye. And Commissioner Kaley. The landlord untimely appeals the decision, granting in part the tenant's claim of unlawful rent increase. In the decision, the administrative lodger determined that while the rent increase effective June 1st, 2019 and February 1st, 2023 were lawful because they did not exceed the allowable annual rent increase available to the landlord at the time, the landlord was still liable to the tenant for a rent overpayment from January 1st, 2020 to January 31st, 2023, totaling $69.56. On appeal, the landlord claims she should not be liable for the tenant's rent overpayment because the tenant voluntarily paid the extra amount and does not pay for the water and electricity, as well as using the hallway closet and garage without the landlord's approval. Second. Any discussion? Call for the vote. Motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Sawney? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Aye. The hearing officer's decision stands. Item E, 
58 Williams Avenue downstairs unit. The landlord's appeal was filed three days late because the landlord claims he did not understand that an appeal submitted to the rent board via email after 5 p.m. on the final day would be considered received the next business day. We have a motion for good cause. Yes, I'll make it motion to accept late late filed appeal. I'll second. Question. Call for the vote, please. Motion to find good cause for late filing of the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. Commissioner Sawney. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Mossbrooker. And Commissioner Haley. Landlord untimely appeals the decision granting the tenant's claim of unlawful rent increase and decreased housing services. In the decision, the administrative law judge found the landlord liable for $5,507.50 in rent overpayments resulting from null and void rent increases from September 1st, 2019 to August 14th, 2023, and $1,245 for removing access to the backyard from March 1st, 2020 to August 14th, 2023. The administrative law judge also held that the tenant rent will continue to be reduced by $65 per month until backyard access is returned to the tenant. On appeal, the landlord asserts that the administrative law judge made an error of fact because access to the backyard was removed to increase the safety of the property. We'd move to deny. A second. I'd like to ask. Uh, question on the on, on the actual decision. On page 14, just before the order. The hearing officer, officer states that the value of the housing service is determined to be $30 per month. And yet in the order goes on to say that $65 for the restored housing services. Uh, what, what's the discrepancy between the 30 and the 65? And the 65 is in item uh, five on page 15. Uh, line seven. President Graber, I think that might be an error. Yeah, I think you're right. That's an error. So this will require the 65 should be 30. It should be 30. So this will require a technical correction. Okay. So we can, we can do that without a board motion, but if you want to incorporate that into your motion, you can. So we'll issue a technical correction to correct that. I am happy to add a technical correction to make them to add that to as part of my motion that there be a technical correction of the order to the actual amount discussed in the decision. I don't know. It, it, it's a. Uh, a a backyard being used for storage of a car repair. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think the uh, that would have to be better uh, presented by the by the uh, owner that he took the, uh, put the gate up for purpose. But uh, um, that wasn't presented. Uh, 
Anything else? I guess the uh, uh, call for the vote. In person. Maybe technical correction, but uh, just a ending that motion. Okay. We don't need the. You second the motion as amended. Yes, I'll second. Thank you. Uh, a motion to deny the appeal, except to issue a technical correction to adjust the amount listed on page 13, paragraph 4. Commissioner Mossbrooker? Aye. Commissioner Sawney? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. And Commissioner Haley? Okay. Um, Second director, we move to return to item. Uh, four or move to item four remarks from the public. Thank you, President Gruber. Uh, members of the public, it is now time for the second of two public comment periods this evening. Uh, both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required to state your name for the record. If you are giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be. As stated earlier, public comment for members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. We will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Are there any members of the public wishing to provide comment at this time? Thank you. Now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov.org. Uh, I'm sorry, sf.gov/rentboard in the commission section. But you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda, and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2662-575-0684, press pound and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line you will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. When it is your turn to speak, staff will unmute you and you will hear your line has been unmuted. You may then give your comment. Withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. Uh, Renford staff member Max Garcia will again be operating the phone system. 
uh, and I will be keeping time. And once your time is up, you may hear a timer ringing, time will be called, and you as the caller will be muted. Mr. Garcia, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide public comment? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment at this time. Thank you so much. Um, so we will give it just a moment. Again, for any members of the public attending remotely, if you wish to provide public comment, you must dial in on the phone. And if you have already dialed in on the phone, please make sure to dial star and three, uh, which will indicate to us that you are wishing to speak and provide comment. So again, this is the second of two public comment periods this evening. This is the last opportunity this evening to address the commissioners. <clears throat> Mr. Garcia, are there any more members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment at this time. Thank you so much. And it appears that no, no members of the public have newly joined uh, the remote attendance of the meeting. Is that right? That is correct. Thank you so much. So, seeing that there are no members of the public newly joining and no members of the public in the queue uh, wishing to provide comment, we will go ahead and close the second of two public comment periods this evening. Thank you, Mr. Garcia. Includes the uh, second uh, public hearing comment. Uh, we move on to item number six, communication. Thank you, President Gruber. Uh, good evening, commissioners. This is Executive Director Christina Varner. Um, you should have received articles from the San Francisco Chronicle and Mission Local, and, along with the Departmental Workload Statistics for July 2023. Thank you. Any questions on the communications? We move on to item number Eight, a director's report. Thank you, President Gruber. Uh, so, good evening, commissioners. This is Executive Director Christina Varner. Um, daily operations continue as usual at the rent board. We're very busy. <laughs> um, and we will get busier next month. Um, the rent board's new deputy director and board secretary, Barbara Texador, is with us tonight. Um, so, Thrilled again. Um, we ex also expect to have new staff at upcoming commission meetings. Um, we are on the sort of uh, tail end or last segment of our grand hiring that we have been doing. So there will be a few more staff that you will meet in the coming months. Um, we're very excited about that. So um, as you can see tonight, I'm still calling motions. Barbara is taking notes tonight. We're kind of splitting duties for a while until she's, uh, you know, getting adjusted to the new role. So with the hybrid meetings and everything, there's quite a lot to learn and deal with. So we're just kind of easing into it in the next couple months. So you'll see both of us kind of playing a part in, in that for a while. Um, so in regards to outreach, um, there was an outreach that I had announced last month uh, on August 28th, public information unit staff, Marisa Jimenez and Jessica Gallegos provided a training to Spanish speaking housing counseling volunteers who were participating in a 12 week training course 
sponsored by the Housing Rights Committee called Escuela del Pueblo, and uh, which was a successful event, I understand. Um, on September 1st, uh, Public Information Unit staff, Abe Field, Diana Flores, and Jennifer Rakowski presented to the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development's Eviction Prevention Network uh, regarding reports of alleged wrongful eviction. And Rent Board staff uh, will present to community boards mediators in the next month regarding the Rent Board services. So there continue to be regular outreach events uh, monthly. Um, our housing inventory and rent board fee unit is gearing up for its next rent board fee cycle, starting with the exemption request period in October. So owners should look out for notices arriving to them next month. And as this will be the third cycle that we have done so far, um, we're trying to perfect things each cycle. And so you may see some things new. The notices will arrive earlier this year. We are noticing um, a lot more parcels than we have in the past because we've gotten a lot of updated data uh, uh, on various parcels. Um, are there any questions? Great. Um, in regards to legislation, uh, Board of Supervisors file number 230810, which would amend the tenant right to organize legislation was introduced on July 11th and is currently with the rules committee. The amendment, amendments would specify that an individual tenant may have a tenant association representative present during their meetings with the landlord and require landlords to remain in attendance at meetings of a tenant association for up to two hours. The amendments would also clarify what it means to confer in good faith and the types of matters that may be discussed with a tenant association and clarify that a duly formed tenant association remains in good standing unless and until either it fails to recertify on the landlord's request, which can happen no more than once every three years, or a new tenant association is formed to take its place. And then secondly, uh, Board of Supervisors file number 230770 went into effect on August 28, 2023. And the ordinance amends the rent ordinance to provide that tenant occupied units in buildings that will be receiving either low income housing tax credits or tax exempt multifamily revenue bonds shall remain subject to the rent ordinance as long as any of the existing tenants continue to reside in the unit or unless all the tenants in the unit agree otherwise in writing. And for any such units that may have previously become exempt from the rent ordinance since 2018, restoring rent level rents to the levels allowed had the rent ordinance continuously applied. So we had talked about that last month. Um, just also know that you have a, a new updated commissioner roster in your packets, um, which contains my new number, and you can contact me there. Um, I think that's it. Were there any questions? Thank you. The director's report. Please do let me know. Feel free to reach out if you have questions between meetings. So there's things you want to hear discussed at an upcoming meeting, happy to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that concludes the director's report. Item nine, old business. Item A, proposed amendments to rules and regulations section 10.10 regarding tenant right to organize legislation. 
move it to the next October, meeting. Yeah. October. That's okay. Move that to October. Does that include old business? Do we have any other old business? Includes old business, President Gruber. Move to item 10. New business. There is no new business. No new business. Then we'll move to item 11. Uh, calendar items, please. The next regular meeting of the Remport Commission will be on October 10th, 2023. And again, it will be a regular in person meeting here at 25 Van Ness, room 610. And it will also be streamed uh, via WebEx, as is this meeting. Looks like we have four appeal considerations right now. And Commissioner Tom will read the Romaitu Shaloni land acknowledgement. Okay, Commissioner Tom. Uh, being no further business, I'll move to item 12 adjournment. Thank you all. Thank you. Yeah. Nobody waiting. Yeah, we'll be back. Thank you, Barbara. I'm not discouraging.